Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. So much about the Spirit of God. I saw we take time out tonight and bring you a message on the uh, Spirit of God. I'm just going to do something that I don't think I've done uh, since I've been in Beckley, West Virginia. Uh, maybe one time, I, one or two. I'm not sure, but I'm going to do something tonight that I don't generally do. I'm going to take a verse of Scripture and just gently lift it out of its context and preach you a message on the Holy Spirit tonight. And I don't think that I'll do harm to the Scripture. Uh, in John 1, in verse number 26, would you stand? Let's honor God's Word. And let me just read one verse of Scripture to you tonight. Now, look at verse number 26. It says, John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not, he it is whom coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchets, I latchet, I am not worthy to unloose. Now, I want to take just one phrase out of verse number 26, where he says, But there standeth one among you. And we're going to preach a message tonight on the Spirit of God. Father, bless us tonight. Help us to sit together in heavenly places. And we're delighted to have these folk visiting with us tonight. And we pray, dear God, that you would help them and uh, uh, help each one of us, Lord, that we would receive what you have in store for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, in the Old Testament, it was prophesied uh, that a forerunner would come of Jesus Christ, and we know he did come in the person of John the Baptist. He, he was a great character. He preached, and he drew great crowds of people to hear him, and they came to him and asked him one day if he was the... They said, Art, art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And then uh, John said, Well... He said, there's one right here among you whom you know not. And he pointed them towards, Brother Frank, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know without any doubt whatsoever that in the context of the Scripture, verse number 26 is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I believe, and I'm going to do this reverently tonight, I believe that we can take this and apply this statement to the Spirit of God. Because, listen to me, some of us seated here tonight do not recognize the person of the Spirit of God as we should in our lives. That's why so many of us are not winning souls. That's why uh, so many of us here tonight seem uh, not to have victory in our lives and uh, why Emmanuel Baptist Church uh, uh, is uh, struggling to get people to come. You say, Brother Bill, why do you say that? Because it's true. It's true. Now you look around you tonight, you see a lot of empty seats. I know God's been good to us. I know God has blessed us. And I know that in the past six years, we've come from 25 on Sunday until now where we're averaging around 125. That's good. 
But I'm telling you, friend, in a city of 26,000, and if you figure in uh, Sophia and Mount Hope and surrounding areas, I'd say we have a total of 80 to 90,000 people. Uh, Brother Jimmy, wouldn't you? I think that would be probably conservative, the number of people that we have in this area. So I don't think 125 out of uh, 80 to 90,000 is quite what the Lord would have for us. And I believe that one reason we don't do more for God is the simple fact that we don't recognize the Spirit of God. And I believe that we can say, as John said of Jesus that day, there standeth one among you whom you know not. Now, I want you to know this. There wasn't any excuse for people not to know Jesus when He came. I mean, they, listen, they told about uh, how he was going to be born. They told about uh, the prophets prophesied where he was going to be born. Uh, they told about when he was going to come. And uh, they told about what would attend his ministry and so forth. So there ought not to be any doubt in the minds. There wasn't any doubt in the minds of people when Jesus came. I think if anybody knew anything about the word of God, Brother Eddie, they could look around and recognize him as the Messiah, the sent one of God. Now, the same Bible tells us about the Spirit of God. The same Bible tells us uh, about the Spirit of God, how He came on the day of Pentecost, how He empowered the, uh, the church on the day of Pentecost. Uh, it tells about the miracles that were wrought uh, through the Holy Ghost of God. And uh, there's no mistaking tonight. We ought to know the Spirit of God just as people know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to know this. There's some tremendous misunderstandings about, about the Spirit of God. If you watch your television, you'll see people, and I've heard pre people preaching before, and they refer to the Spirit of God as an it. Brother Bob, now that insults the Spirit of God. I mean, he's not a—he's not an influence. He's not a, a thing. He's not material. Uh, he's a real person. Now, I've used this before, but it, it is true. Suppose if uh, if Mrs. Burge came in tonight and Brother Eddie was still outside, and I said, Mrs. Burge, uh, where is Brother Eddie tonight? And you said to me, you said, well. It'll be along in a few minutes. Now, uh, Brother Eddie wouldn't like that, and I, I don't think that uh, God Almighty uh, likes being referred to as an it. So there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, uh, the Spirit of God. Now, I, I believe He's with us. I believe He lives inside of our body. And uh, I believe we simply don't recognize that He's around us everywhere we go. I, and there's so many people today who are stumbling through this world and not depending on the Spirit of God. I heard about a woman who had uh, some mental illness. Now, uh, some of you men, you're already getting ready to look around at your wife and begin to smile a little bit tonight. But this is supposed to be a true story. A woman had uh, some mental illness and uh, she was taken to the doctor by her husband. And uh, her husband, uh, the doctor, examined her, and, and uh, he uh, didn't know how to treat her. And so he said, sir, I just want you to take her back into familiar surroundings. He said, I want you to take her home where you lived so, so many years. And said, I want you to take her out into the town around about and her friends where she lives and just stay with her. And uh, 
the man did this. And one day they were out walking, Brother Jimmy, and walking in the garden out behind the house. And all of a sudden, the woman looked at her husband and, and she said, well, were you here after all? And she said, he said, yes, honey. He said, I, I've been with you all the time. I've never left you and I've never been away. She said, well, I, I didn't recognize you and I, I've been uh, missing you in my life. Now, that's true of us with the Holy Ghost of God. He's with us all the time, but uh, we just don't recognize the fact that he's around. You may be thinking in your heart tonight, well, where is he? And where is the Spirit of God? There's some folk right here in this room tonight. Ms. Lily buried her grandmother today, and I know her heart is saddened. I know your, your dad's heart. Uh, is your dad still living? He's, he's already preceded his, uh, his mother in death, but I saw you and your mother there today at the funeral, and I, I heard a lady. Who was the lady that was crying up front? That was her sister. Oh, listen, I hate to go to a funeral, and I, I hate to see people cry and weep and, and carry on so. I know their hearts are saddened, and, and there may be others here tonight who are out of work. I know Mr. Holhauser over here has been out of work now for over a month, and uh, Brother Guy has recently gone to work. He's working tonight. Thank God for that. Amen. Uh, Brother Elam is out of work at this time, not not uh, working, doesn't have any income coming in. So I'm saying some of you may be seated here tonight, and you're thinking, well, where is the Lord? And I don't know His presence. Listen, He's there. He's there. All you have to do is simply recognize the Spirit of God. But there's many misconceptions. Not only is he called an it, but there's a lot of people that uh, seek after the Spirit of God in order to speak in some uh, unknown tongue. Now, you and I both know there's nothing to this. I, I heard Dr. Jack Howell say one time, he said, I want all that the Lord has for me. He said, I don't miss anything. And he said, if there's anything to this thing of speaking in tongue, he said, I want it. He said, I went home one day and took off my shoes, got inside of my closet, shut the door, and he said, I got in there, and I jibbered and jabbered, and, and I tried to do everything under the sun. He said, it never did happen to me, and he said, I don't believe it happens to anybody. I just don't believe that there is a necessity for a gift of tongues in this day that we're living in. But there's a lot of people that are seeking after that. A lot of people that uh, seek after the uh, uh, Spirit of God simply because they want to have uh, healing ministries and healing services. Listen, we ought to get back to having soul winning ministries. Amen. Whatever happened to old-fashioned preaching ministries? And uh, you hear so much talk now about uh, I have a healing ministry and I want people to come and be healed. I want people to come and be saved. Amen. So I'm saying there are many misconceptions about this. A lot of people think uh, that if they're filled with the Spirit of God, they'll just be happy all the time. I had somebody tell me recently, Brother Bill, I'd like to be like you. Every time I see you, you're just praising the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, they ought to see me sometimes when I'm at home. Amen, Miss Brown. I mean, that, I have my low moments too, you know, and I, any pastor has those. I'll guarantee this uh, gentleman here has been out in, in Iowa for 11 years. Is that right? And started from scratch out there. I believe every man, every preacher ought to have one new wife. Amen. I've had mine. And they ought to have one new automobile. I had mine back in 1960. And uh, they ought to have, 
Every preacher ought to have one new church, and I've had mine down in South Carolina. And I'll tell you, you'll go through some troubled times, and, and you'll become discouraged, and, and sometimes your amen and your hallelujah and your joy bells won't be ringing, and, and you'll want to quit and go somewhere else, and you'll get discouraged. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is there. He lives within us. If we'll just depend upon him, he'll bless our heart. Everybody's talking about the evidence of the being filled with the Spirit. You ever, you ever hear the charismatics talk about that, the evidence of being filled with the Spirit? I believe your dad uh, goes to church up the road here, and, and Brother Eddie, I think he came out of the movement, the charismatic movement, and, and there's been other people that I've talked to about this, and they talk about the fact that if you're going to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to have the evidence of this, and it's speaking in tongues. No, no, I'll tell you what the evidence of the of being filled with the Spirit. Uh, the Bible says, Jesus said, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He shall not speak of Himself, but He shall glorify Me. Now, you get around somebody that's always talking about Jesus and always witnessing for the Lord and trying to get people saved, that's an evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, you sit around a crowd that looks uh, like about 95% of you do tonight, sitting out there with your lip hung down. You, some of you look like that mule my grandpa used to have, and it looked like your lip's going to drop down and hit your knee. Listen, it's all right to smile. Amen. God loves you. The Spirit of God lives within you, and there's victory in Jesus. You, you don't have to be discouraged. You say, well, I worked hard today. Well, I didn't get into one o'clock in the morning and, and I've been to a funeral today, visited in the hospitals. I went to my study for a while this afternoon. Miss Burr worked hard on the uh, bulletin today and did about eight uh, loads of clothes, getting us all caught up again. But um, you hadn't lost your joy, have you, Miss Burr? I mean, I see a smile out of her every now and then. Listen, I'm saying to you tonight, God is here. We, he's in our midst. Of, the truth of the matter is, we look around, we don't recognize him, and uh, we just don't recognize the fact that the Bible is the word of God, and he says that he lives within us, he dwells within us, and my friend, that's a truth that every one of us ought to get a hold of tonight. Now, every important work of the Holy Spirit is prefigured in types and symbols. Now, I want to give you the message in Day in the morning. Times are flying. Don't worry. We'll be through in just a minute. Very quickly, let me give you the message tonight. The Holy Spirit is symbolized as a fire in the Bible. In Acts 2, it says that when the Holy Ghost came, He was symbolized by fire. When God led the children of Israel out of bondage, there was a pillar of fire. Now, fire was symbolical of the Holy Ghost of God. Let me give you some things about fire. Fire refines. It refines. I, the, there's nothing that will clean dirty pieces of metal more than a refining fire. And there's nothing, listen to me, there's nothing that will refine and tone and hone your life down for the glory of God like the fire of God in your life. Amen. So he's, he's a cleansing agent. He's a refining agent. And fire warms. Sometimes when your heart gets cold, Brother Holhauser came by this afternoon and, and uh, he's going to come forward tonight. And, and uh, 
and, and join our church. He's going to walk this aisle tonight and and uh, and uh, join with. Her. I thank God for that. He came by today. And, uh, you know, you just we just don't like for people. We're a little selective. You say, well. Uh, you ought not to be. I'm not selected as far as salvation is concerned, but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, when people uh, come out and want to come into this church, I like to sit down with them and tell them. I told him this afternoon, I said, we don't have any problems and we're not a looking for any. Amen. And I said, now, uh, if you come to church here, this is what's going to be respect, uh, uh, expected of you. I said, we want you to read your Bible. Amen. We want you to pray. We want you to witness. We want you to, to, to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, during revival time. We want you to tithe. We want you to give. We want you to be a good steward. And I told him about our church. I said, there'll be a, a little bit different here. I said, this church here has learned to trust the pastor. I've learned to trust the church. And this church here gives me uh, just all the liberty that a man could ever hope for and ask for, and I thank the Lord for it. Listen, I, it's an amazing thing what God has done right here on Harper Road in Beckley, West Virginia. It's because the church has, a, has allowed the pastor uh, to have uh, a certain amount of delegated responsibility that's given to him. I've never had anybody try to usurp authority over this uh, pulpit since I've been pastor here. I thank God for that. Now, if uh, he told me we sat and talked today and Brother Holhouser said, Brother Bill said, I may as well admit it, said, I've just been sort of away from God. Said, uh, said I hadn't been in church like I should have. And he said, I, I just want to get things right. And I want to get back in church and serve God and live for him. Now, his heart, what he's saying is, Brother Bill, my heart's become cold. I mean, I don't have the fire of God in me like I had when I got saved and was serving God. Now, if that's happened to you, if your heart has become cold and calloused and, and indifferent and you can listen to the Word of God and it doesn't do anything for you, it doesn't stir you. If you can listen to songs that are sung about Jesus and it doesn't move your heart, you might as well admit it, friend. You're backslid on God. Your heart's cold and calloused and indifferent and you're just coming to church out of a sense of duty and responsibility, not because you necessarily that you just love God so much. Now, you say, Brother Bill, you're getting kind of hard on us here. Is this your good crowd? Well, I know that, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God will warm your heart. And then it illuminates. It illuminates. Uh, he illuminates. <laughs> he illuminates you, your mind, your thinking. He opens up the Word of God. Listen, Greek and Hebrew is not the key to the Scripture. I mean, you don't have to go away to college and, and I'm not belittling this. I've sat in a classroom for about 18 and a half, 19 years of my life and, and I'm not against education. I think it's good. But I'm telling you, you can study all the Greek you want to and all the Hebrew that you want to, but unless you have the Spirit of God to illumine your mind and, and to discern the, spirit, the, the Word of God for you, you'll never understand it. This is God's book. And God Almighty is the one that illumines your mind and helps you to understand the Word of God. We're, we began last Sunday night, every Sunday night. Now, 
We're going to be bringing messages dealing with prophecy. We talked about the second coming this past week, and, and, and the Lord willing, this coming uh, Sunday night, we're, we're going to talk about the tribulation time, and, and, and we'll talk about the millennium and, and all of these things that are happening in the future. And I guarantee you that unless God the Holy Ghost helps you, you'll never get those things in order in your mind. Somebody will ask you one day, when is the Battle of Armageddon going to be fought? And you can't for the life of you. You don't know whether it's the beginning of the tribulation, the end of the tribulation. You don't know whether it's at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. You, you don't know where to put it. Well, the only way you can know and understand things that are to come is to have the Spirit of God illumine your mind. Now, I'm saying to you that the word fire symbolizes a wonderful a number of wonderful things. Uh, when Moses saw the bush on fire, it symbolized the presence of God. Amen. When old Elijah was up on the uh, the mountain and uh, fire came down, it was the Lord's approval, the Lord's good pleasure. I mean, listen, he was approving what Elijah had done. Uh, fire in the Old Testament evidently spoke of God's protection, for it said, I will be unto her a wall of fire up around her. Uh, so the Spirit of God tonight is like a fire, spoken of in the Word of God as a fire. The, the Holy Spirit is spoken of as water. The Bible says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Do you have the water of God down deep inside of you tonight, the Spirit of God, He'll do something for you, friend. And then it's spoken of as a, as a rushing, mighty wind. Now, that speaks of His power. You know, in Acts chapter number 2, as He came as a rushing, uh, mighty wind. I want you to know something tonight. People don't get saved unless God does it. Amen? Now, I believe in soul winning. I believe you ought to go out Knock on doors. We do it. I take tracks in my uh, pocket all the time with me. By the way, we're getting a brochure done up of our church. Brother Russell Bell out of Henderson's North Carolina is going to do it for us free of charge. All we have to do is furnish the paper, and uh, I'll take those, and I'll hand them out. We're going to get 10,000 of these. We're going to give them out with the Gospel of John and, and just hang them on doors and witness. I believe you ought to go out soul winning. I, I believe you ought to preach to win souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, you can talk to your blue in the face unless God deals with that heart, they're not going to get saved. They're just not going to do it. Now, I believe the most simple thing in the world is salvation. It's so simple that a wayfaring man shall not err therein. The Bible speaks of the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. I mean, listen, friend, if you'll recognize yourself or, or if anyone will recognize themselves to be what God says they are, that we're just lost, hell-bound, hell-bent sinners, 
and we can't do anything to help ourselves, and then if they'll recognize that they deserve to go to hell and that Jesus is the only Savior, if they'll repent, change their mind about God, about themselves, and ask Jesus to come into their heart, they can be saved. They can be saved. But it's been over the years that I've watched people. I've never been able to get very many in 30 seconds. I, I don't know about you, preacher. I uh, Sometimes I believe God just has to deal with hearts. Amen. There's got to be some conviction before God ever saves souls. So many people walk the aisles now with comic books in their pockets and, and popping bubble gum and, and laughing and giggling around the front of the church and so forth. Listen, I believe there ought to be some old-fashioned repentance I believe there ought to be some old-fashioned convicting power of the Holy Ghost of God. And bless your heart, if it's not there, you're not going to win any souls. Every soul I ever won in my life anyway, it was just like picking fruit. Somebody had already talked to them. Their heart was, was ripe when I got there, and all I did was just pick the fruit that God was giving to me. So I'm saying to you tonight, that it's like a, the Spirit of God is, is like a, a mighty rushing wind. Uh, John uh, talks about this when, when he says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Listen, I've seen this kind of power come upon humble people that, uh, that just could not speak in a crowd. And, and when God gets a hold of their heart, they're able to stand and proclaim the wonderful, unsearchable riches of God's grace and His glory. That amazes me. It amazes me. When I went to Tennessee Temple, there was a man there that got up one day to give his testimony. And, and uh, he, he stood. We were all telling about how God had called us to preach. And I, I gave my testimony. Another fellow gave his. And then this fellow got up and and um, he began to talk. And uh, have you ever noticed people that stutter? This Adam's apple begins to jump and move. And and he stood up and he said, uh, 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 I, I, I j just want you to know that uh, that that God God uh, uh, has has a call called called me preach. And he finally got it out. And I just wanted to weep because I just knew that God had not called anybody like that to preach. And I thought to myself, boy, you sure have dropped the ball here. You'll never be able to preach. You'll never be able to get a sermon out. You'll stutter so much that people would get up and leave and they wouldn't sit and listen to you preach. But you know, four years later, he had come so far, Brother Frank, until he could take the Word of God. Now, just to talk to somebody, why, he'd stutter. But when he got behind the sacred desk to preach, he could take the Word of God and read it fluently, and he could speak and, and he could preach. He'd been out in some of the chapels down at Highland Park and preached. And how many of you ever heard of a man by the name of J. Don Jennings? You ever hear of him? He's a well-known evangelist, some of you. Uh, John Jennings has a, uh, he is a twitch, and uh, 
it's it's nerve wracking to get around him and uh, to be with him. He's it's like he's got uh, the Saint Vitus dance and he jumps and twitches. But I've noticed something about him when he gets into the pulpit uh, that you don't notice that anymore. And uh, it, it just taken care of by the Spirit of God. I mean, listen, I've seen the Spirit of God come upon humble people and God use them in the same way with Moses. You remember Moses said, I'm slow of speech. I, I'm not going to be able to do this. So God sent Aaron with him. And then after Moses got to speaking and uh, God got a hold of him, Brother Frank, you never heard any more about Aaron. I mean, Aaron was on the sideline. So God uses uh, humble people, people that you wouldn't think. I've seen the Spirit of God come upon them and God use them in a mighty way. I, I've seen people with no talent. As a matter of fact, I'd rather have somebody with no talent and have the Spirit of God on them than I had to have somebody that just seems to be uh, filled with talent and not faithful and not serving God. I, I'd much rather use somebody like that than I had to have so many talented people around me without the Spirit of God. There standeth one among you whom you know not. I'm saying to you, this is the Spirit of God. And then he comes as a, as a heavenly dove. That's a symbol. Listen. The dove speaks of, uh, uh, of peace. It's a pure animal that uh, never has but one mate. I didn't know that until just today. The dove has the same mate, and he's faithful to that mate. That symbol of peace, and uh, he, he came back to the ark, and um, uh, this just shows us that the Holy Spirit is like this. He broods. He, he's mournful. He broods over the souls of men and women and boys and girls. I believe he's saddened tonight because of the simple fact that we don't go out on visitation as we should. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, we'll meet here to go visiting and we'll just have 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. If we were to have 12 people, I mean, I'd almost drop my eyeballs if we had 12 people show up tomorrow night. I'm just saying to you that the Holy Ghost of God is in our midst and we just seem to not be able to recognize him at all. He's always with us everywhere we go. Heard a story about a woman that was on a boat up on the Hudson River some years ago and uh, was coming into the dock in New York City and there was a man on the boat that was watching her and every move that she made. And this woman uh, was traveling by herself on this boat. And uh, the boat docked. She was to, fixing to get off. And the man walked up to her. And he said, uh, are you alone or do you have a companion? And she said, sir, I have a companion with me. And he backed off. And she got off the dock and began to walk down the street towards her house. And the man was following her in the shadows back behind. She kept walking. And finally she came to her door. She went up to her door, took her purse out, and was fixing to open her door. And the man came up and put his arm on her, uh, hand on her arm. And he said, wait a minute. Said, you told me you had a companion with you. Said, you lied to me. There's no one with you. She said, oh, yes, I have a companion with me tonight. He's with me all. She said, I don't see him. She said, you're blind. Said, you can't see him. She said, sir, I'm a Christian and the Holy Ghost lives within me and I have a companion with me tonight. And said the man just turned around and shook his head and walked off. He figured he had really met a nut right that night. Well, I know plenty of people that I have met before 
who had uh, a companion with them, uh, Miss Ellen, Ellen Atterbury, wasn't that her name? Charlie Atterbury died when we were, died right before we went to Illinois. Some of you ladies here, Miss Quesada's husband has gone on to be with the Lord. Somebody was telling me the other day they knew him, Miss Quesada. I can't remember who it was. And they told me, said, boy, he was a fine man, good man. Mr. Porter, yes. But uh, I'm saying I've met a lot of ladies who their husband had died and gone on to heaven. And Miss Ellen Atterbury, she came to me one time and she was crying. She said, preacher, she said, the man who was pastoring this church before you came said when Charlie died, said he told me, said he sat down with me and said, Ellen, said, don't you worry. Said Jesus Christ will take Charlie's place in your life. And she said, Pastor, said, said it's just not like that. She said, uh, she said I'm miserable. Said, I, I can't seem to find any happiness. And said, uh, Jesus has not taken the place of my husband. I said, Ellen, I want you to know this. Or Miss Atterbury, I said, I want you to know this. I said, the Bible doesn't teach that Jesus will take the place of Charlie. I said, uh, nobody can do that for you. And Jesus is not going to do it. I said, but he has the Holy Ghost that lives within you and he is your friend and Jesus will not take the place of Charlie but he'll give you grace to bear any circumstance that's placed upon you and it's the same way you don't live alone Mrs. Quesada do you you have the Holy Spirit of God that lives with you all the time so I'm saying to you tonight he stands among us but we don't seem to recognize him in our midst you know what we need here at Emmanuel and I? I've been thinking about this, thinking seriously about it. I don't know that we really need a camp meeting in May. I really don't. I know we still have the same people coming on Sundays. Usually the same crowd shows up. And we have a sweet spirit among us. But you know what I think we need is a good old-fashioned revival meeting, Brother Frank. I believe some of our hearts have gotten a little bit cold. We've gotten a little bit indifferent to the things of God. Some of you here right tonight, you're in the service tonight, and you're generally here, but every now and then you'll miss a service, and you're gone somewhere. And I know these things happen to us from time to time. But when you come to me and you say, well, uh, so-and-so happened and I couldn't get here. You know what you're saying to me? Now, I don't want to make anybody mad. God knows I don't want to do that. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But anything that keeps you or anyone that keeps you away from church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, that thing or that person is more important to you than the church service. Now, you might as well admit it. I don't care who it is. My mother could come all the way from South Carolina. She could drive up here to see me. And I'll guarantee you when it comes church time, I'd say, Mom, I'm going to church. Won't you come and go with me? You say, well, if you drove that far, you ought to have enough decency to stay home. No, listen, church is more important to me 
than anything or anyone. You see, Jesus died for the church. Amen. He purchased the church with his own blood. And by the way, I'm going to say this, and I, I hope you understand, and don't think that, my, that, that I don't care about my mother. I called my mother two or three times a week. I went to see her on yesterday. I wish it was so I could go and see her at least once a week and visit with her. Shame on you. If your mother lives close to you and you don't see her once a week or twice a week or every other day, shame on you. You ought to see her. You'll regret it one day. But I'm telling you tonight that these people, you people right here, I'm talking about Mr. and Ms. Burge back here, and I'm talking about Mr. and Ms. McClung, Mr. and Ms. Basham, and Brother and Sister Palmer, and all of you folk, Brother Bobby, I'm, I'm saying you people here, don't have to call all your names, you're more important to me tonight than my blood relations. I would rather be with you tonight than to be with my own mother and my own two sisters, my uncles, my aunts. I'd rather be with you tonight. It's a joy for me to come here. But I notice people all the time now saying, Pastor, I'm not going to be there tonight. And uh, I say, well, I understand. What do you expect me to say? Huh? Have you ever stopped to say that? What, what do you expect me to say? Am I going to jump up and say, well, you better be here tonight. You don't want to miss. I can't do that. I can't drive you to church. But I'm trying to impress upon your heart tonight. I don't think we're in a position to shout the victory right now. Nobody likes shouting any more than I do. Nobody likes praising the Lord any more than I do. But I see a need in Emmanuel Baptist Church for a good, old-fashioned, soul-stirring revival. And I think that's probably what we're going to have in May rather than have, I'm just going to ask Brother Lacey when he comes to just preach us an old-fashioned revival meeting. I mean, listen, get down hard on sin, skin the hides off a few people around here and, and just preach good red-hot hellfire and brimstone salvation messages right here during May. I believe that's what we need. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blessings to us. You're so good to us, Lord, and we thank you from the depths of our soul. I pray, dear God, that you'd bless. We thank you for those that have met here tonight. Lord, may you help us to keep our hearts and our minds centered on Jesus. We pray in his wonderful name. Amen. Amen.